0: With video games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television, you can think of us as the Deusa and Skelly of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co op adventure, the guy who takes all of my abuse and just keeps coming back, Josh, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm good, I'm tired. It's been a long day with the kid, Uh, but usually when we do this intro, there's a clear picture of which one of the two people I am. And I feel like that description describes both of those characters.
0: Well, it's really (laughs) an opportunity for you to self-actualize into either character that you feel more affinity to.
1: Well, I mean, I'm more of a physical beating post, I guess. So I guess, (laughs) (laughs) I guess we know who I am.
0: (laughs) Well, while and Skelly definitely helped give the underworld a bit more charm than anticipated, it's Cerberus who makes the place feel like home the person adding that extra level of hominess to the podcast and being our third head is none other than eduardo gornstein ed welcome to the show
2: hello thank you thanks for having me
0: i will say that uh you know you being on the show has definitely people have been pretty excited about this we've gotten a lot of questions Uh and just a lot of feedback (laughs) from other people that we know who are like this is really cool how did you get ed well to start with ed why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so everyone knows how cool it is that you're here? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, it, I am uh, Ed. I work at Supergiant Games. Uh, I started there uh, about um, two and a half years ago uh, at the start of Hades. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm i relatively new to the game industry, but um, I went to college to study for game design which I've uh discovered is a pretty uh new thing uh for the <laughs> industry um and then I got an internship working on Marvel Heroes right after college um and only was there for a couple months before it shut down but that gave me the opportunity to join Supergiant so uh relatively short uh industry resume but um uh yeah I'm I'm excited to, to see where it goes
1: Impressive start, I would say. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. I mean, yeah, you could have worse starts, I guess. That's very, very true. Like Crucible. obviously, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> we have a ton of questions for you, and we'll definitely get to the interview. But we're going to do a little bit of the typical show at the start because Ed has been gracious enough to say, Hey, I'll do a whole show. Let's go for it. So we're going to do a little taste of the whole show. But like I said, the bulk today will be a conversation with Ed, all things about what he has done. And of course, Hades might come up once, twice, three times. We'll have to see what happens. But thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board With VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board With VG. We're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com PSVG, but the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So, we're going to jump into some topics of the show. Only three topics this week, one from each of us. Josh, why don't you kick things off?
1: Hey, let's do it. I was going to talk about games I played again, but I figured maybe a news topic is better this time. Um, So, something that kind of popped up, I think it's just kind of hitting the news like feed like this week, Um, but we have a new crowdfunding a competitor, I guess we'll say. Um, It's called GameFound. It is directly competing with Kickstarter, but kind of like maybe indirectly competing with Indiegogo. (laughs) I'm not really sure uh, what they're thinking as far as that goes. Um, But they are actually launching with a pretty big board game um, called ISS Vanguard, uh, which is by the people who brought us... um, um. (laughs) why am I blanking on the name star no star realms oof that's embarrassing um (laughs) you can go to gamefound.com to find out um a bunch about them but really I kind of just wanted to uh go over what they describe as their their mission and what they're what they're adding um that perhaps kickstarter isn't um for game creators so um they according to gamefound their simple mission is accelerating the creation of amazing games and giving great tools for creators to communicate with the community uh, they have um a pledge manager that is free to creators and users no fees uh and i think that's huge for it's like if we're going to like kind of compare to um even like video games it's kind of like epic game store versus steam like this huge discount for creators, um, and more like more return on investment for them as well. Um, I'm curious how, if there's going to be a lot of people that flock the game found because of this, and we're going to get, uh, maybe a flood of, um, uh, maybe like if you look at the Nintendo eShop where there's a lot of content on there versus like a, uh, more focused thing. But if you look on there, blog posts they kind of really go through a lot of the things they change and they really if you if you're familiar with kickstarter what game has done is they really streamlined every aspect from comments to stretch goals um where you can individually select stretch goals and add-ons instead of having to wait for a pledge manager Um, It does the addition for you, so you're not like trying to guess what you're paying for the game at the end, including shipping. Um, They streamline how pledges work in general and show you like individualized reward contents instead of having to scroll through like a whole Kickstarter page to try to figure out what is included. Um, They also included um, a campaign mini wizard and navigation tool for people who are just like experiencing crowdfunding um, and maybe you're just backing their first game on game found instead of Kickstarter. Um, I guess. So my question that I want to ask both of you guys is I know Kyle and I have done a lot of Kickstarter. So Ed, have you ever uh, backed a Kickstarter or have any experience with Kickstarter?
2: So Kickstarter actually started uh, when I was in high school um, so I didn't have much disposable income, but oh my I gosh <laughs> <laughs> <So old. laughs> um, I was a big fan of a bunch of games from Kickstarter and tried to follow them as much um as I could um but I love the idea behind it. Uh, I love how it's evolved over the like last ten years.
1: Oh, yeah, it certainly has changed a lot since uh, its inception so so the big question is do do we need another crowdfunding site and do we think that do you guys think this is doing enough to either improve on Kickstarter or or in like separate itself from Kickstarter?
2: I love the idea that they took the way they that a lot of creators used Kickstarter and then just built them like all all the all the strategies that they developed over time and then turned them into like built in features um I think it's always awesome when a uh, new service sees the opportunity to, like, formalize the things that uh, other uh, services are doing well, but uh, are kind of added on to the base functionality. You kind of see that with, like, you see that with games too, right? Like, that's how MOBAs became a thing. Like, you yeah. you use one thing in one way, and then you, like, formalize it. So, I think that's
0: awesome. Kyle? Yeah, this is interesting, <laughs> because... I. We've seen a number of other people try to break into crowdfunding. You know, Hasbro even has their own kind of crowdfunding thing that they do now. Uh, but I think GameFound is European, right?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think, I'm not sure.
0: I think they're based in Eastern somewhere in Eastern Europe. Uh, so I do wonder how many company U.S. companies would choose to work with GameFound over company you know we've had those conversations before about games that are being launched and they're like oh this is a european specific game and and we, and we ask the question of so if it goes to kickstarter are they just not going to let me order it because i give a u.s address you know how is all that going to work right because game found i know of i've heard of but i don't know that i've ever used their for all the kickstarters i've backed i've never used game found as like or the or the what i have backed has never used game found as the backer kit that I have then filled out that has gone through them. So I do wonder, you know, what aspect that has or impact that will have. And maybe because it seems like they are charging so little and providing so many tools for free, it won't be a big deal. Uh, But I wonder if maybe that's why they're doing it that way, right? because that could just get way more complicated and maybe I'm wrong, but you know, that's just one of the things I think of right away is where are they located? I'm pretty sure they're a European company and, and, do i see a lot of us companies you know deciding to skip backer kit or whoever else they're using um because they could just go to gamefound and get their kickstarter and backer kind of all in one product which is cool i think that's cool that they're doing that i i just don't know how many companies are going to go from what they already know and feel comfortable with
1: yeah that's a good point i mean um uh, international shipping is a huge problem in kickstarter uh, so if it is uh, European and that's where they're uh, working out of, I mean, it really, I think it comes down to where the product is shipping from ultimately. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see realistically if they, if they hit the ground running, it's a good start for them, but we'll see exactly what would happen is Kickstarter would just change its interface to match Gamefound if it was successful. Um, so I don't think it's like the end of Kickstarter, but, um, competition is good, right? Like we need choices and options and, and, uh, C- there's pretty, there's like two crowdfunding sites right now. Really? Um, so another one, I, I don't think is a terrible idea, but it's interesting. I think it has a lot of promise.
0: I mean, there's kind of four, right?
1: Well, I'm not counting, uh, has- Hasbro. Fig-
0: <laughs> and Fig is still a thing, right? What? Isn't Fig still a thing? Or did that go away with Microsoft bot? I don't know what Double that is. Find? <laughs> yeah, I think fig, fig is still a thing okay. too. But... I'll
1: take your word for that one. I don't know what that Okay. Is.
0: <laughs> I do want to share really quickly uh my exciting news, Josh, about Kickstarter. Oh. the longest outstanding game that I had that had not shipped now has a release date.
1: A release date? Not even a ship oh, date. Oh no, 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 Josh.
0: <laughs> it's but it's a video game. Oh, it's a video game. And it's coming out in eleven days from today. What game is it? Raise the Dead.
1: Was it developed on PlayStation Two? How's it going to look? <laughs> oh,
0: no, it was actually announced, but I think it was announced before PlayStation Four was out, yeah. if I recall. Because I backed this thing in twenty summer of twenty fourteen, and if I remember, PlayStation came out in Nove- Four came out in November, so the game was announced before PlayStation Four even <laughs> launched. That it was coming to PlayStation Four. And they've had a ton of issues. I'm just really excited for them that they, that this is getting to ship now. That's really exciting. I'm super stoked. Uh they are, it comes out October twenty second uh, on PlayStation and PC and then it will be they're looking at porting it to Switch uh in, you know, that awesome indie machine that the Switch is uh, in early twenty one. So nice. I'm super excited. Raise the dead, it's coming and it's before Halloween. What perfect timing.
1: Hey, that's very cool. And fig.co is a thing. I didn't know about yeah, it. I thought fig was. But there's a flashpoint. Digital game, the board game, so I'm excited. There you go. Now I have to back something.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right, so my story then. uh, Ubisoft has announced the official Assassin's Creed Valhalla podcast entitled Echoes of Valhalla, exploring the Viking history of the game. So we're seeing more and more of these official podcasts tied to games. The Last of Us did one, uh, God of War did one, and probably others. But you know me, I'm a PlayStation person, so I can name those two for sure. Um, so is this a trend we're going to continue to see? And kind of how do we think uh, this lands in comparison to books, movies, comics, TV shows, board games, all of these things? You know, working to. You know, develop and deepen the lore of games. Do we have a favorite? Kind of what are our thoughts on all this? Ed, starting with you, you know, as someone who makes games, what are your thoughts? Are these things cool?
2: Uh I would say so, yeah. Like I've always been a fan of like the expanded lore expanded content sort of approach, if if it's possible. Like, um I know back a couple of Assassin's Creeds ago, um they partnered with i think the extra credits guys on youtube they did because they had the extra history and then they would I like i loved watching all the um like expanded like information and like just immersive like uh content that you could get just before you play the game and it kind of gets you in the mood to uh be what a part of whatever civilization that they're a part of so i think it's awesome if it's um available to the dev team and the, i think the biggest thing is like if it if it gives you critical information about the game, then that might feel more like a like, oh, God, now I have to re- read up before starting the game. But if it's just <laughs> adding on to it, then yeah, more power to them.
0: Awesome. Josh, your thoughts?
1: So I opened up my, my Stitcher Premium and searched video games thinking I would see a bunch of like uh, – there's a lot of video game podcasts – At least under that, like search, we did pop up in the first search, so that's good for us. Um, (laughs) But there's nothing about like there's not individual shows. Like I was, I was curious if like a God of the God of War, Last of Us would pop Mm -hmm. up. Um, I think the problem with podcasts, uh, obviously, we're one of them, uh, is it's hard. There's so many that unless you're specifically searching for it, you may not ever discover that it exists um but all all that to be said like if i could just search like i'm playing assassin's creed and i'm like wouldn't it be really cool like it's like uh when i like when i watch movies like i was the nerd who would watch the director's commentary or the special features right so like if i finished like ghost of tsushima like hey wouldn't it be cool if i searched and found a ghost of tsushima podcast like i get that that's that's great um In fact, I I listened to How Did This Get Played, which originally started as a like make like a podcast about bad video games and how they like how could this get have gotten made, but they just got sick of talking about bad video games that they just talk about games they want to like they did a Last of Us two and things like that. So there's there's a lot of content out there for for people looking for it. I think with specific games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that's um, good if they want history of Viking lore, because <laughs> you also need to know what you're signing up for. You're not necessarily going to go find out about. Um, I don't even know enough about the game yet to even give you specific <laughs> <laughs> examples of the late main character, but like, you're not going to find out about the this this uh, Vikings quest or or why they've come to England necessarily on the podcast. But you might. You don't really know
0: for sure. So, Ed, here's my next question to you then. You know, has there been a game that you have enjoyed so much that you have purposely sought out books, comics, movies, you know, the additional stuff to, you know, deepen your lore knowledge, to to understand the game more? Is that something you've participated in when it comes to games?
2: Uh, I'm sure there's more examples, but the one that comes to mind is because it's all on my bookshelf. Um. I've only bought one World of Warcraft novel, but I bought the Arthas, uh, Warcraft novel, and it, it, it actually didn't teach me anything I didn't know because I had played Warcraft 3 so much and I had played Lich King so much, but, um, it was the sort of thing where, like, I'm craving Warcraft universe, but I don't necessarily want to sit down on my computer and play it right now, and it was just a good way to, like, scratch that itch. Um, but I think, I think another one would be, like, tangential stuff where, like, you play Civ and then you like go into the Civ wiki or like, Age of Mythology. I used to play a lot of Age of Mythology, and I actually learned quite a bit about like e- Egyptian mythology just by playing that game, um, but it didn't really make me seek out new information there. Do you
1: so hear the that? the follow-up question, then. Hephaestus, the sequel to Hades.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's the follow-up question, then. Uh, have you seen the World of Warcraft movie? I have and your your review of that movie briefly <laughs> i i
2: really like i really liked a lot of aspects of that movie um i felt that i enjoyed it a lot more because i was already a huge fan but like what let me down was that i went with people who weren't as big as fans as me and it didn't hook them so for me it was great i wish and hope i don't know what the new latest news around it is but i i would hope that they keep making them i thought like the artistic achievements on that movie were incredible. Um, but yeah, I wish, I wish it had done a little bit more to bring new people into the world.
0: Awesome. Josh, I know, obviously you are reading the horizon zero Don comics. I
1: I just have it. It's just right here. Always.
0: Yeah. Um, have you done (laughs) read other books, you know, listen to other podcasts, gotten to lore in other ways.
1: Back in the day, um, I dabbled in the star Wars, um, Expanded universe, but that's a long time ago. Like Shadows of the Empire, old. So that's like a very, very long time ago. Um, I wouldn't say that there's been too much. There's probably things that have slipped my memory that I've gotten into. Um, and I did like a sidestep with the Fables graphic novels. They did a, a a novel that I that I read, Peter and Max. Peter and Max, yeah, Peter and Max. Um, so there's a novel based off of a comic book, which I kind of sidestepped, but um, I'm I'm struggling to think of maybe other video games that have gotten me into um, reading or some other form of entertainment.
0: Yeah, I've listened to the Last of Us podcast, which was really good. Uh, the God of War podcast that they did. And then I think the only book I've read is I bought the Spider-Man prequel book. Oh, before the game came yeah, and I read that, and it was a pretty. It was pretty good. So it just it took me a long time to get over every time they talked about like the Spider Man, and I was like, uh, that, that took a, a little bit to get used to. But yeah, I, I think that's about all I've done. I know there's, I believe, a new book coming for the Miles Morales game. I think is
1: there? I bought that Spider Man book too. One, and, it might be a comic. And it's I didn't read two.
0: it. <laughs> so there might be one of the two, but. And then obviously, I mean, TV shows and stuff, I think, you know, watching The Witcher and all that good stuff, but I think, especially podcasts, and I guess depending on what you want to count, and I'm sure we'll, and this will definitely come up later, uh, but watching no clip and watching documentaries about games is always something I'm kind of more interested in, is I tend to be more interested in how the game got made yeah. than I am necessarily in the lore of the universe of the game, but I don't know what that says about me, though I really like characters and lore, I just tend to prefer those things, so... All right, topic three. Ed, it's all you. <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, so I I um, uh, saw a Kotaku article uh, that pointed this out, but in the l- latest Baldur's three, Gate three patch notes, um, it came out about uh, about a week ago. Um, they have analytics for what how people create their characters and what the most popular options are, and they've like put the most popular of each uh, attribute together and saw what character uh people made and it turned out as they described it um to be a generic vault dweller. So um I found that super interesting and obviously they did too because they <laughs> directly call out their community to be like we gave you uh, <laughs> demon horns and, and tails and like all these colors and options um and they they want to see all these awesome creative uh characters but uh like the uh Kotaku article like mentioned like it 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 maybe shows us like a side of rpg players that um we all kind of experience where like sometimes you just want to feel the comfort of something familiar um so my question to you guys is uh what what do you what do you see this shows about rpg players both tabletop and uh, digital, and then also when you make your characters, what do you go for usually?
1: Yeah, this this hits me hard because <laughs> I have a a specific type of character I play. Like I'm always a barbarian, or or uh, the closest thing you can get to a melee fighter. Always, even in my gloomy Event campaign, I picked a. I changed a range guy to <laughs> hand to hand combat. <laughs> uh, I think the reason why it happens is um Playing it safe. Uh, this is a long time to invest into something. If you plan on playing like a Baldur's Gate three, it's probably a hundred and twenty hour game or longer. Like the investment in your character is like I would be so worried to. And this says a lot more about me. I think that I'm I'm. I'm scared to try new things. <laughs> and um with the uh, with Diablo, that's probably the only game that I've really played every class because I think once you finish Diablo, you get the whole game, right? You can just kind of go through and and mess around with other characters. So maybe Baldur's Gate is similar, but I think because it's more RPG uh focused, you're actually developing the character more than just picking a class. And maybe Vault Dweller is the safest bet. And, I mean, I'd like to think in my head I would go crazy and pick, like, a reptile class and add horns and and yeah. make him a necromancer. I don't know. But, like, I I wouldn't. I would want to do that. <laughs> but I don't think I would. Um, I would be afraid to change. I would be afraid to give me green skin or white hair. Like, I'm so plain. that <laughs> it's... It's, it's a, uh, this is a direct attack on me from <laughs> from Baldur's game
2: <laughs> Calling us all out. <laughs> what about you, Kyle?
0: This is, yeah, this is pretty, this was pretty disappointing because when I looked at this, I thought it was going to be some really cool something and it's just really, really boring. <laughs> it is the most generic default. Oh goodness. And... I tend to go pretty much the opposite way because video games in general tend to be an escape. So I'm someone who my characters tend to never look like me. Um, If given the opportunity to play as a female, I almost always create a female character. Um, Tattoos are usually going to be something I'm going to go for. Scars are pretty cool. Uh, Really wicked awesome haircuts are something I'm totally into. I will spend as much time as I need to, to get really cool looking hair. Uh, I don't know. I I just see this and I am very, I guess this for how creative RPG people say they are. This is (laughs) disappointing when you look at this, but I also, you know, maybe people are really wanting to put them quote unquote themselves into the game. I guess maybe, I don't know, but I just, I don't know. I always think of it's way cooler to go down the route of creating, like pushing your limits to what your mind can create and try to do something different and unique. Um, yeah, and it is interesting, too, that they very much were like, yo, people, we gave you way cooler things (laughs) to do than this, and that's what you came up with, uh, which I thought is kind of interesting that they, that they went that route with it. What do you think about it, Ed? Um, I,
2: I struggle with it because, like, part of me says that, or part of me thinks that this, like, the, the way they did this is they picked the most, like, the most picked hairstyle, the most picked color, the most picked everything, and then place that there but like that's probably like the average but there's so many like when people do end up going creative they go really creative like they they won't just like add a small scar to the guy they'll like (laughs) um completely change his hairstyle can change his uh stature and all that um so there's that but I don't know when I play I'm so sporadic like sometimes I I definitely go the safe route I make it look like me I I I do something comforting but <laughs> when I play when I play like games where I can make multiple characters my second character is always going to be like the the giant guy with uh, all the tattoos or, or like um I don't know yeah just start changing th- things up but I think I think I always start vanilla and then go if the game has like hair uh style changes or stuff like that in game I'll definitely slowly evolve my character to be more and more eccentric. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely there's definitely a conflict with me where like I want to be creative, but I also want to feel comfort when I'm playing an RPG. It's the commitment thing, right? You don't want to commit is. to something that you're going to regret later. I
1: think so. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So, to follow up then, have either of you ever created a character and started a game and then been like forget it i'm starting over because i want a different character yeah yeah <laughs> okay <So laughs> I, I don't know that i've ever done that <laughs> yeah
2: 100 <100%, 100%. laughs> the, the stuff that comes to mind is like i tried um final fantasy 14 the mmo uh mm-hmm. out and i made i don't remember the the different names of the f- factions but i I was the tiny character and i yes. picked a really squeaky voice and i just could <laughs> not get through the game with such a squeaky voice and like it just didn't feel right so i ended up going the other way and i made a giant character with a deep voice and it was like okay
1: <sighs> yeah every mmo i've ever played i've always regretted my first choice um <laughs> from from final fantasy to star wars and i picked a bounty hunter and i'm like oh why would i pick a bounty hunter when this? Does- Jedi is around what was I thinking then you pick a Jedi and you're like it's so hard to be a Jedi why am I not a bounty hunter still
0: (laughs) (laughs) excellent all right so those are our three topics so with that we are going to get on to our interview with Ed uh Ed just so you know whenever we have guests on I have this really bad habit of I get really excited about things as maybe you can tell and i just will talk over josh and even the guests sometimes because i get really stoked about everything that's happening so i have to kind of rein myself back in so in order to do that <laughs> today i'm gonna let josh start with all the wow. questions and then whenever josh feels comfortable being like i've asked everything i want to ask then he can tell me okay kyle you're allowed to ask a couple questions uh try not to embarrass us so josh i'm gonna let you start take it away sir. i'm
1: gonna ask you one question then i'm be like kyle you're up <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So yeah. So let's start from, from, uh, go, uh, how did you get, well, so how did you get into the video game industry? And, and I know we said, NY, but like, um, like when did the idea come into your mind that this is even a feasible career?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I grew up playing video games. My dad played, uh, all the classic uh, PC RTS games. So like my first gaming memory is sitting on my dad's lap, like watching him play Age of Empires, oh. the, the very first one, like Rome in Spanish. Like, <laughs> um, So it was always part of my life. It was always on my mind. And then in high school, um, you know, everyone keeps asking you what you want to do. And for me, I... Never had a clear answer until uh one day when I was playing World of Warcraft, I forget what triggered the thought, but like I was just like somebody has to be making the game that I'm playing six hundred hours like a years <laughs> um in so uh I started looking into it uh my brother had just gone to u s c he asked the people at uh u s c like what their games program was like, and then that pointed me to unity and um my dad bought me a book on like Visual Basic to to start making games, and it was like not a great book, but like it just showed me that the world of opportunity. Like all, all I made was like a marble rolling around, but um yeah, one thing led to the other, and it um I ended up releasing an app on the uh Apple Store or on on iPhone like right before going to college, um and that like cemented it. I went to college for at DigiPen Institute of Technology. Got a bachelor's of science in computer science and game design, uh, and then that just kind of launched it. So it was just like it was—it was more of just like it was the only thing that was on my mind. So it was just the natural yeah. thing of like, okay, well, I have to do something now. Let's let's make this my career.
1: Awesome, that's great. What was the app?
2: It was—it's not on on the app store anymore. Um, it was a game called RGB the game. Because I was very creative <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you would play as a ball in space and it was like an infinite runner um where it would randomly generate the course, and you would have to like tap on r g b to change your color and if you were the same color as the wall you were about to slam into, you would like blast through it, and if not, you would like get bounced back and die um hmm. so simple, but um it yeah, it really put me to the test of like okay not only am I gonna make a game, but like what's the process of actually getting it on like a store where can, my friends yeah. and family can download it.
1: That's really cool. We had a lot of people in our discord that love RGB. So I'm sure everyone pricked up when they heard that <laughs> even, <laughs> even, <laughs> even though it might not be the same context. <laughs> <laughs> so when, so I, when I reached out to you, I asked um, for like a little quick little blurb about your experience and you, and you had put in there that you worked on Marvel heroes, which was a game I, just loved to death it was basically the ultimate alliance that we never got with three um and i just really loved that game so much so i'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about like what your experience was working i think it was it was gazillion yeah it was a company what your experience was like working on marvel heroes
2: yeah that was that was a really awesome opportunity because um it's really hard to break into the game industry Even when you're going to a college surrounded by people who are doing the same thing and encouraging you and giving you all the resources. So that was my first, like, real job out of uh, college. And it's definitely daunting because you're joining a. Like, the first thing that struck me about Gazillion was how passionate everyone there was about Marvel. Like, I'm always a big Marvel fan, but I don't read the comic books. I don't, like, I wasn't, like,. I wasn't deep into the into the universe as like everyone there was, so like it was just intoxicating to be in that uh, environment, and just like it made me want to get really into the comic books. It made me really want to like rewatch all the twenty Marvel movies. Um, so yeah, the passion was like like in, w- never in doubt. Um, they the, the entire office was decorated with giant like posters and um, all this, uh, all these, like, props from the movies and stuff like that, so, um, that was all awesome, but at the end of the day, I joined at a very rough time for Gazillion, um, the game had already been out for four years, I joined in, like, June of 2018, and the game, uh, ended up being, uh, shut down, like, November of 2018, so I was only really there for four months, um, but, uh, there was, yeah, it it was definitely a struggle of, like, how do you, how do you keep a 4-year-old game fresh and then also how do you keep a community active so there was there were struggles but it was it was an awesome start to the game industry because of how passionate everyone was
1: awesome that's great well Kyle I'll throw it to you cuz we're going to do a little mix of listener questions at some point soon right
0: yes so. we will do some yeah 'Cause like I said, we get so stoked about it. We want to be respectful of your time, but are we got a lot of great questions from the community. But you know, we want to ask a thousand things as well. Okay. So to start with, you may not know well, actually you you wouldn't know this, Ed. Um I'm a huge super giant fan.
1: Like, <laughs> you may not know.
0: <laughs> um, I own obviously I own all of the games, but I own every single game on multiple platforms, and Hades is the first game I've ever bought on PC. Like I literally made PC accounts to play Hades. Wow. Uh, when it was an early access. Like I my Twitter banner is Bastion, like I'm a big Supergiant fan, so I would like to know what attracted you specifically to supergiant
2: yeah, um I also happen to be a huge super giant fan <laughs> um, they were by far my favorite uh company slash indie company uh just through like basically Bastion came out right when like my interest in gaming changed from like just entertainment to also potentially a hobby/ slash eventually a career. So when Bastion came out, that was right around the time I don't know if you guys remember Indie Game the movie. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. That that was just around that time Bastion or Supergiant wasn't in that, but it was just like all these things coming together where like Bastion like it hit my imagination in a way where I was like excited to be there and then I still remember being in my room, I think during college when the trailer for Transistor dropped and like I immediately clicked it and that uh, song like just like gave me chills and I was like okay yeah this 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 is the sort of emotion that I want to be giving other people in the games that I'm making and nowhere in my imagination did I think that I would literally get to bake the games at the company that gave me that emotion also um so just the when the opportunity came up to join Supergiant right like it was literally like all things converged on Supergiant right at the end of Gazillion because Gazillion shut down. I was about to move out of the Bay Area back to San Diego where my family is, and literally I see a Twitter uh, post saying that they're hiring. Um, I, I like The thought crossed my mind where I was like, oh, if Gazillion doesn't work out, they just finished Pyre. There's a chance they would be hiring, but they're a 10-person company. They're not going to hire anyone. Um so yeah it was just it it blew my mind when when the opportunity came up um so short answer is i love their games and i'm always like starstruck when i'm in the meetings with everyone at that company
0: <laughs> i mean it it is interesting because when i watched like the no clip I, i've you know what i was developing hell or um building bastion that they did back in the day and all of those things it, man i ugh i just like everyone seems so darn smart is everyone as smart as they seem
2: everyone at that everyone there is extremely talented and smart at what they do. Like there's there's no doubt about it. Like I didn't know what to expect. Um but it's just like the the Yeah, a- everyone there is top of their nick game. It's incredible.
0: So final question before we jump in deep into Hades stuff. So on Supergiant's website, your like title, I don't know what what do you want to call it, it just says design. Right. <laughs> what okay like i said i'm not smart you all are really smart what <laughs> in the world does that mean what do, what is it you would say you do there so it it
2: is more defined than just design uh the thing is um we don't really like we we have general like titles at the company but like there there's no it, it's hard to get more specific than that because everyone ends up doing so much uh at a company like right now we're at 19 or 20 people i, I don't know but um for trans or for before before Hades, it was only like fourteen. So like um, everyone that ends up doing so much for me, what design specifically means uh, on Hades is that I made the levels and like the, I, I I was primarily responsible for the level design and the uh, enemies and combat within that level um so all the bosses
1: um
2: <laughs> yes if you have I, i've already started to get this a little bit on twitter uh jokingly and like all all in good fun but like oh so you are who i have to blame about theseus and it's like yes if you're mad about him killing you if you're mad about how he like uh what his character is then that's not my fault <laughs> i'm not the writer greg greg uh is happy to say that uh theseus is as designed like you He is. He's there for you to hate.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So really, then, I guess I really I think at this point, Josh, this is a great segue to the questions we started to get from the audience. So, I'll throw it back to you. Why don't you take a few of those off the docket?
1: Yeah. So we're going to read some uh, listener uh, questions and I'm going to start with that email we got. We got one email. Everything else was pretty much on. Social medias, so this comes to us from Luke. He says, "Hiya, I think he means hiya, but I read it as hiya uh first of all, I can't praise Hades enough, but suffice to say it's a masterpiece as far as questions um first question, do you collect statistics from the player base anonymized
2: uh that's a good question uh first of all, thank you for playing hades um uh <laughs> We do, we, we do have, uh, um, data that we get from save files. Um, of course, there's, uh, there's an option in the main menu to opt out of all that. Um, but we don't, like, it, it's all just anonymous, uh, stats so that we can see, like, how, like, of all the, of all the people who've, like, cleared a run, what percentage did it with what weapon, what percentage did it with what boon sort of thing. Um, so, uh, we do get that. Uh, and we uh, aggregate it all. Um, and Amir, uh, the co-founder, um, he he is uh the one that's primarily in charge of tuning uh the game. Um, so he just like dives into that and uh tries to pick out like what information is um pointing towards things where we want to make changes um his philosophy he's always described it as it's not necessarily that everything needs to be like we don't we don't need every boon to be picked the same amount as every other boon the the important thing is is there is there a situation where this boon is interesting um right. is there is there a build where this can do something so it's hard to get that from like exclusively from the analytics but it's like the sort of thing where if we see okay no this boon is only getting picked 1% of the time okay now maybe we need to find not necessarily buff it, but may maybe find more things it can interact with to make it interesting.
1: Nice. Alright, so he has one more question, but there's some there's post script to it. So I'm gonna read the question and then his follow-up. And then we'll see uh what you think. Uh, so he says if so, which we now 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 know. Uh is there a chance that y'all could share those with the community? And he goes on to say, the reason I ask is because I feel like there's so many interesting insights buried in that data. Like what's the most common weapon people get their first clear with? Or how many people died to poison the first time they reach the Satter Caves. Seder, sorry. Uh, and I personally and no doubt many others would be stoked to play around with that data and create interesting visualizations, etc. Obviously creating APIs for public consumption is non-trivial, and frankly, you all deserve the rest. (laughs) are <laughs> oh, the best in the world, I believe he means. Uh, but even a statistic database dump would be cool. Sorry, this became more of a pitch than a question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he says, but uh, so, what do you think? Is this something that you think will ever get shared with the community, or is this really just so you guys can make the game better on your end?
2: Yeah, I don't have a... I, like, I, I wouldn't be able to give you a proper answer to that question, but my my assumption is that it wouldn't be something that we can share but the the thing to do there would definitely be like we we definitely actually do read people's requests and stuff when you send it through our contact page on the website or uh, on discord so if it, like we we are definitely uh hap- like super excited that people are there's a community run wiki there's uh, plenty of uh, efforts on discord to like put together different uh mods Um, so there are, there are people out there that are excited about that sort of stuff. It's just like a case by case basis always with stuff like statistics. I don't know if there's even like a legal, uh, aspect to that. (laughs) So definitely something that, uh, somebody else, uh, would have a better answer to. So, uh, that's, that's definitely where I would point you to.
1: Cool. Submit that question on Supergiant's website, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah. Supergiant. Uh, Yeah.
1: Let them know. Cool. Uh, we'll, we'll go next with a uh, super listener uh, at Dopalicious on Twitter. Um, Splig, as we know him, uh, he says, I got my fingers crossed for a PS4 version, but that's not his question. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know uh, what came first, mechanics or story, and why Greek mythology. Now, I understand we're asking you questions you might not have all the answers <laughs> to, but. I did promise them I will ask you these questions <laughs> yeah no
2: these these are the uh definitely great questions um I came onto the project at a pretty uh, uh pivotal moment because right before they they hired the new set of people at supergiant um they had already started going with an idea of hades that was quite different to the game that came out today um i believe greg has talked about this uh quite a bit on our discord q and a's there's a whole channel on our uh super giant discord where um we do q and a's after each patch and um the short answer is they influence each other constantly um the i think i think the gameplay always ends up coming first so like when when the idea wasn't really working out uh early on where Theseus was actually going to be the main protagonist not Zagreus um it's the sort of thing where like they they always look for uh, like all the different ways they could uh, fix that whether it's uh story wise or gameplay wise um so i th- I'm struggling to answer this because I don't think there's a clear answer. I think it's a case-by-case basis where like sometimes uh, something like the Hydra uh, gives a lot of really fun ideas on, okay, how do, can we make this boss like regenerate heads? How can we make this boss be um, unique? But then also there's definitely uh, times where we've gone the other way where it's like, we're really excited about this idea. We're not sure how it would fit to Greek mythology. Um, but then Greg... Uh, Greg uh, is always very supportive, and he's always like, if if it's good for the gameplay, then we'll find a way to, uh, to make it make sense. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, they they definitely influence each other.
1: Nice. Okay. Heavy Metal Riff. At Heavy Metal Riff, our very own Lucas Rose in our Discord says, Cue for the shoe. When working in a well-known world like Greek mythology, what do you do to stand out from the... Mythos people may be familiar with, um, and how does it help to build a game in a well-established mythos, as in Hades?
2: Uh, yeah, another great question for Greg, the writer. <laughs> uh, but there is some fun information here. Um, they, when they made the switch uh, to Zagreus being the main character, what was so exciting uh, on that front was that he's a relatively lesser-known like person in Greek mythology um which gave the like the creative license essentially to be a little bit more like what what do we want this character to be what th- what role do we want them to play in this uh in this cast of characters so it was it was nice um to be able to have uh a character that didn't have a, as many assumptions like if you make Zeus your main character in a video game there's <laughs> a couple like key points you're going to have to hit to make everyone yeah. like to make sure people are like satisfied with your portrayal of that character but Um, thankfully we had that Liberty with Zagreus kind of make him what we wanted him to be. Um, and then that just made, like, we're all super excited about Greek mythology. So it was, and it was their Super Giants first game in a world that wasn't entirely their own. Um, so it was, it was a new challenge, but, uh, I think, I think there's definitely something liberating about like being able to be in a world that. A lot of the questions are already answered, rather than having to come up with everything from scratch. Yeah, um, it just gives you that baseboard to jump off. And Greek mythology is such a complex web of like different stories, and like it's contradictory even in itself. Like there's plenty of stories that don't make sense if you put one against the other from different sources, from different books. So it's definitely a, it's a it's a mythology that is ready to be like made into uh, plenty of different interpretations and variations.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a little secret story between Zagreus and Theseus that we didn't read about in the books that I'm getting hints at in this game. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there, there's, there's the sort of thing
2: where, like, there's a quest line, or not a quest line, a narrative line in Hades where, like, uh, Zagreus and Dionysus, this minor spoilers if you want to mute the next 30 <laughs> seconds, but uh, Zagreus and Dionysus trick Orpheus into making a song about them because... It's something that Greg discovered where, like, in certain lore or in certain books, uh, Zachris and Dionysus are the same person in Greek mythology. Oh. But sometimes they write them as separate characters. So he he took that and ran with it, and he made a, a, a like a narrative moment where like they they joke and like they play a prank on Orpheus to write a song <laughs> where they're actually the same person. And then like Zacharias expects Orpheus to take it uh, to not take it seriously, and then he does, and it's like, oh god, what have we done? <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Uh I uh, I I know this is the listener question part, but I could really go off on a tangent right now. Uh with the the writing for this game. Um Kevin Austin at PSVG. Kevin in our Discord he says, I imagine part of the development work had to be done via work from home uh due to COVID. What kind of challenges did that pose and what do you think you learned from that?
2: We were uniquely set up to adapt to the work from home shift because even before COVID, we already had work from home Fridays where not everyone, but almost everyone at the company um, would work from home. And then that meant that all, almost all our setups were already ready to go. Um, when it shifted to, okay, now instead, we're always going to be working from home. Um, they they uh, The studio was super supportive and uh, helped us upgrade any equipment that we needed to make it comfortable. Um, we we wanted to make it as comfortable to work uh, at our home desks as it was to work at the office. Um, so thankfully, we were already equipped, and we definitely had the mentality of like we're in a unique situation where COVID actually doesn't impact our productivity in any way and doesn't threaten the way we make games. Um, which is very unique, and uh, we the, the unique situation to be in. Uh, of course, with so many people struggling uh, with their uh, ways ways of life being changed, so we definitely had the mentality of we need to take advantage of this opportunity and like not let it go to waste because um, we were very fortunate to just be able to keep. Uh, charging forward with a game that had already been out in early access for a year, already had a passionate yeah. community. Like there was, there was, there was a lot of opportunity to just keep, keep uh, working and keep work uh, as a distraction from uh, the rest of what was going on. So that was really nice to have.
1: Great, Kyle, on onward.
0: <laughs> so. Ed, why don't you just take us through, if you'd be willing, a little bit about just kind of your design kind of, I guess, history with Hades. Like, what what specifically did you work on? What that process is like? You know, when do you get feedback as far as you're going? It sounds like everything you've been telling us and everything I've heard is that Supergiant's is a super collaborative atmosphere. You know, so kind of why don't you take us through just kind of what that process was like for you.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, My... My initial responsibilities when I started was to uh, start making levels. Uh, so we, when, when I was introduced to Hades, the core loop was already there. Um, in the sense that you, we had the, like there was a home hub and then you would go out, you would do a couple of rooms, come back, um, and spend some of those resources. Um, so the first thing was just how, like to define what, what each biomes like personality is going to be um it we knew like tartarus is most uh similar to like a a traditional dungeon crawler you have floor spikes you have um enclosed rooms um so that was definitely like the um the the constant so to speak, um, whenever we started experimenting on biomes after Tartarus, um, we would always be like, okay, we know we got Tartarus to work. We know that that's fun. Like this general size of room um, is nice. Like, um, so it, uh, my, my first thing that I had like full creative control of was like, okay, what do we want asphalt to be? Uh, I, I got like the um, information from Greg uh, and from Jen, uh on like the creative direction of what what asphodel is and how we want to feel but uh it was kind of up to me to experiment with like what's how do how do we vary up traps and for for asphodel it was like okay what if the floor is literally lava like (laughs) everything hurts you um If you if you enjoyed the safety of walls, what if we take the walls away? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say some of us didn't enjoy that the first time we got there. But anyway, continue on. That's fine.
2: No big deal. It was no. It, it, there was definitely many points where Aspel did feel like a little too aggressive, a little too daunting because like the pacing was so different. So, um, that's that's kind of what happens after uh, you finish a biome, where like now that it's there, now you you start playing it and you're like, wait, I actually like, I felt great going all the way through Meg and then I started Asphodel and now like, <laughs> I feel exhausted and I'm like four rooms into Asphodel. Why Why am I exhausted? And it's like, okay, well, the rooms are three times as large as, Asph- as Tartarus. That means that I'm spending a lot more time searching for uh, enemies. Like, I'm spending less time fighting. Uh, I can't find the exits. So all these problems start popping up and you're like, okay, well, you we we can take pinpoint uh like we can take each problem and try to solve it individually um so like if you can't find the exits okay what if we like uh do some sort of visual effect to attract your attention to there um but if enough of these problems start building up you're like oh maybe we need to reapproach how we're designing <laughs> these in the first place um so we definitely had that moment with uh asphalt because uh we just ne- we we figured out we needed to bring everything in we needed to rain rain stuff in um we gave the traps a little bit more structure so instead of everything being like you're in the middle of a volcano all the time uh the traps actually now escalate when you start an encounter in Asphalt, everything's quiet and then after the first wave the the lava splashes activate and after the second wave the smoke traps activate so like the the environment (laughs) is is escalating as much as the enemies are escalating um, so it was just stuff like that. We're like, okay, the pacing's off. How do we like make it more like soothing to be in here, and then like turn it up to eleven?
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, not a not a bad uh, not maybe wait on the boons that let like, you get double double dash in in that area. <laughs> maybe <laughs> wait till Elysium. <laughs>
2: <laughs> dash right into a lava leak. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then. Uh, my but like that that was where it started but then uh i was also really excited that i got uh creative control over the boss designs at the end of biomes um and then those were a completely different uh process because with level design it was mostly me like uh hammering away at it and then like having the design the designers play it so amir greg alice gavin um and then they would give me feedback, and then eventually that would get handed off to art. But with bosses, it's a full team effort, um, so it's definitely a deadline-driven process where like I need to make sure that these, the the basic behavior of this boss is set up, uh, so that uh, the designers can play it, iterate it on, but then so that the art team has enough time to start uh, concepting what the animation looks like for this boss to do this move specifically, and what like um how much time do we need to actually even just render out all these different animations all that puts a time limit where it's like if this isn't done by 2 weeks before the patch then we're not going to have time to get that all in so um yeah bosses are definitely much more of a like uh, every decision is going to impact everyone on the team
1: was the plan always to have multiple versions of some bosses
2: no actually like early on the biggest uh, goal we had was how do we make each boss be different every time you fight it. So, uh, that actually ended up being a lot more subtle in favor of the, okay, what if we vary uh, the the bosses entirely like the, the Meg, for instance, it's just the, the, she always has the same amount of moves. It's just the order she gets them in changes. So she might start with one move in, in one run and then a different one the next run.
1: I like how that you guys added like this like um, um, side-scrolling shooter appeal to like their attacks. Like you're playing like Gradius in the arcade because they're shooting <laughs> bolts at you in waves, and um, there's like this subtle moment like when you start the level and, Z- and Zag goes. I wonder if that Bowen Hydra is still around. And I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be a different one. (laughs) And sure (laughs) enough, it was a different version. So I really I really enjoyed that. That was a big surprise to me. The fact that I had probably done, like, I don't know, 10 escape attempts and then ran into someone who wasn't Meg, and I was like, what is happening? This is so cool. I really like that a lot.
2: Awesome, yeah. There was definitely a sense of also that we – we don't want to overwhelm a player, because if you throw a different boss at them every time when they're still learning the game, they're going to get yeah. overwhelmed. So it's yeah. like, just as you start getting comfortable with Meg, that's when we're like, okay, but what if there was a different one? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, what is the best infernal arm? Uh, <laughs> I Don't say it. <laughs> it. It
2: changed often, but I always go back to the bow. Oh, the bow.
1: I was so For, afraid of that. <laughs> I,
2: everyone, everyone has their favorites, which is actually really, really exciting to see. Like people love the shield, people love the sword. So, everyone has their favorites. For me personally, bow, one hundred percent, and bow with Chiron aspect is so much. Uh-huh. Fun.
0: Excellent, excellent. All right, Josh, you can go back to community questions, and then we'll. Kind of work towards the end here.
1: Cool. So uh, Garrett from our Discord at Bland Explosion actually chimed in on Twitter. Um, he said, "What was what is the most challenging aspect of developing a game that has early access, um, and is Supergiant considering this way of development for future titles? It is awesome to see the success with with Hades."
2: Uh, yeah. It early like it, it wasn't a decision made. Um spontaneously it was definitely a very intentional decision to make hades a early access game um and only because uh they felt that super giant or that hades would like would benefit from the community uh iterations um they like the 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 way i've heard greg and amir and gavin and all them talk about it is like if transistor or pyre or any of their previous games was an early access game It just wouldn't have worked because um, narrative and story-based games tend to not come together until the very end of uh, production. So, like they they've talked about this before on interviews, where like Transistor wasn't like really playable to a normal player until like the last ten percent of the project. Um, So even if you have people playing it, they're not gonna give you anything that is actionable, um, because it's so hard to get a full understanding of what the game's going to be. Hades, on the other hand, from the get-go, was designed to be, okay, we have a working loop that, like, even if it ends right at the end of Tartarus, like, this short loop um, is already playable, it's already fun, and it's already something that somebody can, like, get a picture of what the full game would be like. Um, so it was just a very natural fit for early access. Um, and Hades definitely would not be the same game it, it we ended up shipping. If it wasn't for like all the feedback, all the discussion, all the um, community interaction that we had uh, for a year and a half on Discord, like it, it was it was incredible to see just how much response there was and just how willing people were to like to invest in a game, but then also be okay when it changed because we definitely changed some stuff. Where it's like we hope that people don't get mad that we're gonna be like changing their favorite weapon but the sword like the swords uh special it didn't always used to be the nova it was um i forget what it was early on but with changes like that you're just like you're you're hoping that the community um even if they don't like it will see it in a constructive light and try to uh give um actionable feedback and we were just constantly blown away by how how positive that interaction was
1: awesome uh, our last listener question comes from at Gareth on Games on Twitter. Uh they ask uh, Hades is incredible on just about every level, given all of the mechanics put into the game, is this the first step before a super giant uh take on Diablo? Um and he says if he's right, can I voice the character please?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um I think supergiant or er- I don't know if this is a controversial statement within the team but I feel like Hades is already super giant's take on Diablo like I think so yeah um we like I I'm a big fan of uh of Diablo but nowhere near the level of like super fan that uh a lot of the uh people on the team are of Diablo 2 um I like I know Amir and uh Darren are just like uh Super, super passionate about Diablo and Diablo 2. So, um, it's, it's definitely, we, we definitely see it as a compliment when people, like, w- when this game brings back memories of, uh, Diablo. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the designing principles early on was like, Hades is a reverse Diablo. You're not fighting to get into hell, you're fighting <laughs> to get out of hell. So, um, yeah. I, I would be excited to make more stuff that is similar to diablo but (laughs) i would say we've already done what our take is
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome all right so what is what aspect or what about the game are you most proud of um
2: that's a tough one um i i think for me for for my contribution to it specifically it's the theseus and mintar boss fight um i feel (laughs) like that was the one that we had the wildest dreams for—we we wanted it to go so many different directions, um, and then had to like rein it in. Uh, but I'm just happy with how those two characters interact in that fight, where they each have their own distinct roles, um, yeah. and you can approach the fight in multiple different ways. And which way you wanna, who who you wanna take down first, and then also, uh, without spoiling what the extreme measures version of that fight is, how we were able to be like. All right, screw it. Let's just have fun with this fight and see how far we can take oh, this. Oh boy! Um, yeah, that that there, there was so much freedom on that fight, and that that was exciting. And uh, it's always fun to see people love to hate that
0: fight.
1: <laughs> I kept looking up, wondering why those hot weren't going down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, no clip. Uh, Daniel Dwyer's joint has been documenting the development of Hades in their docu series, "Developing Hell," which is on YouTube, and is excellent. Listener, if you've never watched it, I highly encourage it. Uh so what's it been like having kind of a, a crew stopping in every once in a while to, to scope in on development to talk to you about how things are going what's that experience been like
2: It's been nothing but positive from my experience um I was already a big fan of NoClip before they before we partnered with them so it was just super exciting to be like oh okay I'm I'm curious to see what this is going to be like like are they going to be in here every day or are we going to be like putting cameras on the walls sort or of thing? uh but it's actually a lot uh lighter than that. Um we had uh Noclip come in like one or two days per uh episode um where they would film like where where they would bring all the equipment. Uh Jeremy uh lives locally. Um he's he's uh Danny's uh partner at Noclip. Um and that's when they would do like all the interviews. Uh we would go into the office or into the conference room uh do the interviews there. Uh, but other than that, it was mostly us filming ourselves. Um, we would like to start recording, uh, our meetings, uh, JP, uh, at the office would, uh, set up a camera when we knew that we were recording something that might be interesting. So it's more of like, um... For each episode, they wanted to like give it a theme. Uh, they did like an art and sound episode. They did a uh, the first one was just about releasing it. So it's like when we knew that we were doing something that could potentially be used or be an interesting thing, we would uh, start recording. So it was really seamless. It like we like it would be barely no- noticeable that they were there. But when they were there, it was really exciting. It was like a
0: friend coming over to visit
2: because they're just really great people. So nice, yeah.
0: very cool. Uh, I will say uh I like the No Clip stuff and I've I've always kind of, you know, followed what Danny did and I, I think the um the docuseries he he did with Developing Hell and I know there's still one more episode coming though, has been really, really great. But I will say, uh when watching the uh art and music episode, my goodness I <laughs> Darren and Jen are really, really good at what they do. My goodness. <laughs> they really I was really like are. I, oh, <laughs> I didn't know this I existed. Like, I have to watch this now. Oh yeah, it's really good. But yeah, you just really see how supremely talented the people at that studio are. My goodness.
1: the first time ever in a game this happened to me when you enter Eurydice's chamber. Every time I enter now, I I stop, and I let the song the entire song play. For I have sure. to. It's, <laughs> it's 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 such a good song. Such so well performed.
2: Yeah, it's, so, it's the sort of thing where, like, I would be at my desk and I would be with headphones on listening to stuff. And, like, obviously, all the all of Darren's soundtrack is part of my iTunes playlist. But then suddenly, like, I would start hearing, like, my desk was in front of his desk. So I would just, like, start hearing music behind me. And there's plenty of times where I just, like, take my headphones off and just, like, <laughs> listen to him. Just, like, start figuring out what he wants Hades songs to be. And so it was, it, I'm I'm constantly awed by uh they his work and Jen's work and all the art, artists
0: work at Supergiant.
1: Kyle, can we sneak around copyright law and put a Haiti song at the beginning opening of our podcast instead of our normal one?
0: <laughs> you know what we could do is we could direct them to super website where they could pick up a copy of the soundtrack for, you know, their small local indie game developer. That's what I would recommend. <laughs>
1: okay, fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Okay, so in the world of video games, or as things have gone, you know, for the most part, you talked about all the really positive things that have happened with Early Access and on the Discord and, and communicating with fans. But there definitely have been times in the world of video games where sometimes, you know, us who like games get a little maybe too passionate and maybe don't react in the ways that are appropriate for us to, to do so. So leading with that, what do you think would be helpful or what do you wish we understood as people who play games about game development? Like, what are the things you think would be helpful for us to have a better grasp on to help us maybe just chill out a little bit every once in a while?
2: Um, that's a great question. I it it's hard to say generally, um, but I think I think the biggest thing that we all succumb to when we're on the internet is we forget that there's always a human on the other side. Um, thankfully uh we've had a really positive uh community interaction throughout all of hades and throughout most of supergiant um but yeah like you mentioned that's obviously not always the case uh but it's in my experience it's extremely rare that somebody set out with bad intentions it's almost always a miscommunication so Mm. um i think i think if we like i think if 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 it's, it's like both directions of the communication uh remembering that that person has has a reason that they are passionate about what they're saying um and just try to in, instead of instead of calling people out i think just uh hearing them out if possible uh because developers have a reason for doing other things they do uh and it's not always something that they can talk about whether it's legally or just like experientially you don't want to spoil something that's coming later like there, there, there's there's plenty of reasons why people can't say stuff uh, uh, at certain times, which can cause miscommunication. So um, I, I would hope that people just approach it with the benefit of the doubt and that they're trying to do it with the best intentions rather than uh, for nefarious reasons.
0: Awesome. I only have two more questions, Josh, then I promise you can jump in. All right. What are your <laughs> tips for those of us who are way worse at Hades than we would like to be?
2: <laughs> uh, so easy answer is actually if you if you are liking the combat, are struggling and like feel like you're stagnating there is an option in the pause menu or in the options menu called god mode Mm -hmm. it's extremely like in the background uh but what it does is it reduces incoming enemy damage and every time you like by 20 percent and then every time you die it slowly increases uh how much protection you get and what that does is it lets you continue playing the game with uh with the the Intended loop, which is like, you're supposed to die, you're supposed to, like, like the game's there to kill you and make you go back and talk to your friends. Um, but uh, it, it helps you practice when you're stagnating, and it helps you start getting to, to practice the new content that you, you tend to not be able to get to, and then you can turn it off whenever you want to. The other thing would be to just try different things because I've definitely uh I've ex- I've done this myself and I've seen people do it but like they they pigeonhole into like no I have to beat the game with the sword <laughs> with this build because I saw a streamer do it and they did it so well but it's not working out for me it's like there's there's so many different combinations and everything clicks differently with different players so always I like my my advice is always just experiment with something new even if you don't think you're going to like it
0: Awesome. Okay, so here's my final question. And when I after I asked this, if you're like, I'm not even gonna touch this with 10 foot pole, you can just say next question. And that's totally fine. In one of the episodes of the Noclip documentary, and I don't remember if it was Amir who said it or Greg who said it. But ostensibly, they kind of said, okay, yeah, you know, once we get 1.0 on Hades, you know, it will be a complete package. And it will be done, basically. So, uh, is Supergiant done with Hades and and what's next? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a good question and I am excited to know the answer to that too. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it the the philosophy the work philosophy at Supergiant is always uh put 100% of our effort and passion into each project and then once it's done reevaluate, see how the team feels, see how uh, the like see what was successful, what the community was excited about. And then make a plan of how to go forward. So I think it's definitely too early to say, because we're still in that process of re- like we're, we're we're starting that uh, that retrospection and like seeing uh, how how we each feel and how what we're excited about. So I don't know, but I'm I'm excited to to see and be able to, to share with everyone um, as soon as as soon as that's clear.
0: Awesome.
1: Jack. Kyle, you're supposed to give him an ultimatum and say, either tell us what you think of Jason Schreier or tell us the next super giant game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would never do
1: that. <laughs> I have a question for Kyle before we ask before I ask you our next questions. Kyle, do you know how many escape attempts you have made and how far have you made it in the game?
0: Um I have not made it as far as I don't know how many I've made. Oh uh, gosh. I think I'm in twenty something okay. area. And I've gotten to the end of the second world, but that is all the farther I've gotten.
1: And okay. I've Elysium or you've gotten to Elysium, no?
0: No, I've seen I've seen Elysium because of th- other things oh, I've watched. Okay. But... All
1: right. <laughs> I'm at twenty nine. Okay. And uh I-, I didn't get the chance to play it yesterday, but Thursday night, I made it to Hades and thought that I did a good job, but I didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, it was, a it took me a while to get there, but it was very enjoyable.
2: I suspect I know what, what, how that played out. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil it.
1: I don't want to spoil it for, for Kyle, but there's a really cool, um, I really like the like I would call it maybe like a mini level before Hades, um, because it really changes. I can tell, I mean, I guess I can say this, it's a minor spoiler. It's very, um, claustrophobic. And I like that because it makes you change your whole gameplay style. So that was really cool too. I really like. Yeah, that. Yeah,
2: that was definitely an intended change where, uh, before that biome, uh, you had a lot of room to work around with. Um but we were trying to find new ways to challenge the player, and like one one thing that we hadn't done was actually just go back to what the original prototypes of Hades were, which is just like, what if you didn't have a lot of space? Like even if you have four dodges, like you can't just get out of the way. You so be hitting walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that biome was exciting because it was like, how do you design an interesting room that's in one screen space? And most of the rooms in that biome are just one screen space, so it's just like. Yeah. It's, it's, it felt like minimalist design when you're like trying to decide design those houses where like the kitchen, the <laughs> living room and the bedroom are all in the same, like yeah. hundred square foot space.
1: And it really yeah. feels like a gamble too, uh, when you're just making your decisions on what you're going to do and you don't really know what's out of you. So yeah. I, I really like that aspect of it. Um, okay. So let's, let's do the first thing. So we're, we are also a board game podcast and it would be silly if we didn't ask you, uh, if you have any experience with board games, um, tell tell you can tell us that it's just Monopoly. We won't judge you. Um, or it could be more. Um, and if you are playing board games, what kind of board games do you play now?
2: I am a board game fan. I have always wanted to be more of a board game fan than what I am. But um, I'm uh, lucky enough to have a group at Supergiant that is uh, also excited about board games. We have a Gloomhaven uh, game going nice. um, we haven't played since court <laughs> since covid so that's really sad but we uh we're make we we had been making pretty good progress so um i'm excited to get back to that uh as soon as we can um uh but yeah for me it was more of the sort of thing where like when i grew up i was excited about board games but my family didn't have the patience for them they would always like they 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 would they would do their best but like I would want to play a 5 hour risk game and they would be <laughs> pretty done with it at the 1 hour mark so I can't blame them so I would end up just like taking all the pieces of risk and like doing my own like Warhammer 40K style like armies and stuff like that yeah. um but yeah no lately I've been playing Gloomhaven uh where we're trying to find a lot of the digital uh adaptations like uh we want to play Wingspan uh this next week so that I've never played but um they have a seemingly really awesome Steam uh, version of it. Yes. So yep. yeah, I, I want to check that out. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly exploring them. I, I have, I bought, I forget where I put it. I bought a new board game that I just need to convince somebody to play. It's the, uh, it's like a Civ style through the ages or something like that. Through the ages, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Yeah, it looks awesome, but I still haven't
0: dug in. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, luckily that's a super light one, so you'll have no issues at all. <laughs> There's also <laughs> a C-
1: Civilization board game, too. Oh, um, is there? Civilization New Dawn, I believe. So that also exists if you're a Civ fan. Uh, oh, another
2: tidbit is uh, at the design program at DigiPen, the college I went to, uh, you spend the first year and a half to two years making board games. So I, Oh, wow. Uh, I have experience making them, and I... Uh, I actually really enjoy the liberty of just being able to, like, grab a Sharpie and change a card yeah. and, like, be able to iterate <laughs> on stuff that fast. So um one day I, I hope to get back into making board games just as a hobby because it's fun. <laughs>
0: There, I mean, there are a ton of video game-related board games coming out these days, and I mean, you work for a company that <laughs> has amazing art that would translate really well to board games, just saying. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I, I would love to play that game. So.
1: Well, I'll say I know for a fact Isaac Childress, creator of Gloomhaven, just recently completed his Hades run, and I bet he would love to incorporate Hades with Gloomhaven
2: (laughs) or even get a Frosthaven campaign
1: story in there.
2: That's really, really cool.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Last question for us, uh, from us, for us, for you. Now, what are your favorite video games and what are you playing right now?
2: I love that the question is, what are your favorite video games? Because I hate the question, what's your favorite game? Because I can't answer that. (laughs) Yeah, we have to deal with that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My favorite video games uh, that I always go back to, like for nostalgia, are definitely World of Warcraft for sure. I still buy the expansions, even though I don't stick around and play all the endgame content anymore. I still, like, when I launch that game, I'm just like back in my childhood. uh i played a bunch of strategy games growing up but the ones that like bring back fond memories are like the red alert 2 campaign yeah and the like age of empires or age of mythology campaign just i would spend so much time just replaying those levels over and over um and what i'm playing right now is what video games i'm playing right now actually <laughs> um, <laughs> i've played like i've been playing more casual stuff just to like catch up with friends i've been playing uh Fall Guys and Among Us. Um, I just finished uh, Last of Us Part 2, and I started Ghost of Tsushima, but it, it takes a lot of time to play those games. <laughs> <So I'm, laughs> yes. And I'm excited to take some time off in the next coming months and start digging into a bunch of games that I probably missed during the last couple months of Hades.
1: Nice. Awesome. Well, Kyle, do you have any more questions Do you, that you want to ask? I'm pro- You probably have a million, but... <laughs>
0: I mean yeah, I, I have a million but I will be respectful of time here. But I will just want to throw I just want to throw out there, Ed. Earlier this year, uh we did our top 5 games of the year so far, <laughs> and one of us included Hades on their list and the other one did not cuz they were like it's an early access, it doesn't count. And I would just like to point out that, you know, one of us had your game on the list, you know, before it was even It Could added. have been so either of pointing us. That it out, Could have been
1: me or Kyle. Who who knows who could have been? Who knows who it could
0: have been? <laughs> who knows? Actually, that does just one really uh Quick last question. Obviously, Hades is getting glowing reviews. I mean, absolutely stunning. Everyone is talking about this game. It is, you know, on the list for many people for Game of the Year consideration. Excellent reviews. What has that been like for you? Like, what's it like to release a game and have everyone be like, this thing is amazing? It's weird (laughs) (laughs) because,
2: well, okay, it's not entirely surprising in the sense that we already knew how much people liked it for a year and a half already so like Mm -hmm. we had high hopes and like we we knew that like unless we like really messed up the last patch then like we would be at a pretty good spot but i don't think anyone at supergiant even remotely like expected like as glowing reviews and like as like consistently positive um like uh feedback that we've gotten like Steam is still at ninety-eight percent overwhelming, and we're like we're all like scared to talk about it because we're just like, there's no way it's gonna keep going like that. Like, but like the the longer it stays there, and the longer the, like the consistent feedback of positivity is there, it's just like it's it's overwhelming in a really awesome way. Um, and it's it's hard to believe, and we're still constantly grateful because it's definitely not a guarantee with games ever. Um, but like the 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 ones that always like make the team smile the most that we share like we we share all of the uh tweets that we get and all the all the reviews written and the ones that always stick out are like when somebody was having a really tough time for whatever reason and then they played the game and then they share how the game made their life better even for just a week or however long they spend with the game it's always just like. It's a reminder that what you put out there like affects real people, and it's like it's not to be taken for granted when it has positive impact on people's lives. So it's it's been awesome.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're going to kind of move towards the end of the show here, go towards wrapping things up. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but we, we want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or thing that we're currently into that is helping us live that well-rounded life. And as the guest, you can either go first, or if you want, Josh and I can go first, and you can give your recommendation at the end. What would you like to do, sir? Uh,
2: I'll kick it off. Um, Go for it. I don't know if this is intended, but I interpreted this as something that shouldn't have anything to do with gaming. So That is correct. Okay. Okay, Yes, you you nailed it. (laughs) My my recommendation is actually a uh, book that uh, I got uh, as a gift, but has been huge for my uh, hobby of cooking. I really, really enjoy food. The big foodie.
1: Kyle's um, eyes just lit up. Oh my
2: god! Why have we been talking about food the whole time? <laughs> we could have just done an hour and a half of food. <laughs> we could have. Um, oh. Yeah, no, but I, I love, like, trying out different foods, but then also making foods at home. And the my recommendation is the book Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, uh, by Simon Nosrat. I hope I said that right. But uh, she is really, uh, it's she. She wrote a really fun uh, book to read that has taught me so much. Because my style of cooking is improvisational. I don't tend to follow a recipe by the word. Like, if I want to make a new dish that I've never made, I'll look up three or four different recipes, some of them videos, some of them online stuff, and then just take the stuff I'm excited for and then try it out and then, like, iterate on it. Um, But the reason her book's so great is because she teaches you the why instead of, like, just, like, the how of uh, of, of cooking. So I've learned why uh dishes have uh acid even though they're not primarily an acidic dish or like why salt like has the effect it does on foods depending on what time you salt it like you don't want to salt fresh food beforehand because it'll make all the 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 natural uh fibers like wilt and stuff but uh, you do want to salt meats and stuff days in it ad- or like a day in advance if possible because then that'll give it time to go all the way to the center of the protein and like fully disperse so you won't have like a salty exterior and a bland interior so it's just stuff like that where like instead of telling you just salt your food and she tells you okay no you i've i've tried these different things and this is the reason why this works and this is like how you can like improvise if you want to like if, if you if you taste your dish and it tastes one way and it's kind of not working then maybe try adding Instead of adding salt directly, try adding a salty cheese, and then they'll still get the same effect while giving you flavor um, yeah, highly recommend really great read and it's really pretty. It has like a lot of like color and really well drawn out like like she she shows you like the different kinds of salt like what's the difference between kosher salt and Himalayan salt and all like that, and then like there's an artistic rendition of the salt. It's really cool
0: <laughs> nice uh real quick. have you watched the Netflix special?
2: I have, and I love that it's just like, okay, we're going to go to, like, she's the one that's visiting someone else and just, like, watching them do what they do and then, like, telling you why it works. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Okay, so then number two on your, and I had noticed this, and I was wondering if this was true, but on your Supergiant profile, it talks about how you've learned to cook a mean paella. So what's the key to a mean paella? Uh, lots of love? No. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I love paella. Um, I wanted to make it for myself. I did the thing, like I said, I've watched like three different videos. I watched like traditional Spanish paellas and then I watched like American interpretations of them. Uh, I honestly think paella is like just the toppings that you personally get most excited for because there's paellas that have like a bunch of seafood and then there's paellas that have chorizo. Um, I think it really comes down to like, you should be able to customize the paella to have the, the things you want. And for me, that's... Uh, Spanish chorizo, uh, uh, dark meat chicken, uh, shrimps and scallops, and I like scallops because they they don't make the dish fishy, but they add that like fillet of of uh of like uh good seafood. So yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's the pie is all about customization. Wh- wh- whatever you get excited
0: for. <laughs> awesome. Josh, your recommendation. Well, it's gonna be a
1: downer. Uh, <laughs> it was gonna be the boys, but I already I already gave I already recommended that. But the season finale was very good. Uh I'm gonna recommend um and this is a light recommend. It's American Murder, The Family Next Door on Netflix. This is a horrible story. Um I didn't <laughs> know about it, so I actually like this. Apparently everyone I talked to knew knew the story, knew what happened. I had no clue. I don't know how it skipped my radar. Um, but really, I, I think why I recommend this is it's, if you're interested in the criminal mind or or maybe, I don't even know if I want to say criminal mind, if you're interested in, in the human brain and what it is capable of doing and, and how murder is now, um, everything is on social media, this whole, like, if you even watch the trailer, like, Uh, Kevin in our Discord is like, this seems like a a Netflix mockumentary. There's too much footage. Like, it can't be real. And then I was like, well, I'll watch it. And I'll let you know. And I was like, no. Like, the wife, she posted everything on Facebook. Videos, just like a daily updates. Not just like little clips, but full on like live videos. And pictures and text messages everything's saved they have the ring cam they have the police body cams like everything is so well documented um if you know the story there's not going to be any twists for you but if you didn't know it like i didn't like it's like just genuinely disturbing uh what happened but i find it like extremely fascinating i don't know what that says about me (laughs) but i think it's i think it's really fascinating to see how different people react to different things and you have a whole different like string of of people reacting in different ways and it also shows you it gives you a little bit more of a peek you know we talked about that like um toxic gamer culture well it kind of gives you a little bit of a peek into that um toxic um human nature like people making snap judgments um without knowing anything so um it's just kind of like a a fascinating watch, but you know, as, as a father, it was a it was a tough it's a little extra toughness to it. So if you have kids, it might be harder to watch.
0: Well, I will say this isn't my cue to watch, but every time I turn on Netflix I, I either watch uh, the Great British Baking Show, <laughs> since it's a new season of that yeah. on right now. Uh or I, I've been watching a lot of Jeopardy lately. Okay. That's I don't know, it's on Netflix I really nice to watch Twenty Minutes of Jeopardy and feel really not that smart. It's great. <laughs> okay, so American version of the family <laughs> next door on Netflix. All right, my recommendation, Josh has been recommending horror movies uh-huh. because you know, he loves horror movies and it's October. So I'm going to recommend what I think is the best Halloween movie there is, but before I recommend <laughs> I it, I want, <laughs> I want to get I want to get to know what I what you both anticipate my recommendation is. So Ed, what is the best Halloween movie?
2: Oh boy. Uh I'm not a good person to ask about scary <laughs> movies slash Halloween movies, but Cabin in the Woods
0: is like the the most popular one. <laughs> okay. Cabin in the Woods. Josh, what is your guess? I have an important
1: question. Are you asking me what the best Halloween movie is or what the best horror film is?
0: I am asking you what you think I'm going to recommend people watch to put them in the Halloween What do
1: I think you're going to say? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a very different. Um, I mean, you're probably going to say – uh, I don't know what is it. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's double double toil trouble. <laughs> um,
0: uh,
1: probably Nightmare Before Christmas or Hocus Pocus if I had to guess.
0: Uh, you know what, your Josh, you know you know me too well. I am going to recommend Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Take some time off. Just you know, everything is a little crazy in the world right now. So just enjoy Hocus Pocus. It's on Disney Plus as is nightmare before christmas if you want to do that too and then we can have the debate of whether that's a christmas movie or a halloween Both. movie but <laughs> take a load off watch hocus pocus it is as bad as i remember it but my goodness for some reason i just love watching that movie and i don't know why <laughs> did you see I've the trailer it, for the witches I, I must watch it now <laughs> yeah i will say ed is worth a watch at least once when the movie came it, no, it came out in 1993
1: don't say. So don't say ago. if you were born yet or how old you were. <laughs> no, no. do I'll keep the suspense up. <laughs> and
0: all I could say is, a lot of movies from nineteen ninety three don't hold up really great. Oh, <laughs> I'm just leave it at that. Well,
1: I don't know. I don't think we're gonna have a fight about that on our next podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on our next podcast, I'm just saying. Let me let me rephrase. Movies that were very mainstream, trying to get a whole lot of people to go to the theater and make money. Movies from then. Don't hold up super great. Have you watched? Have you tried to watch like Cliffhanger recently? Uh, not recently. I would love to. Exactly. Exactly. Totally and there's a reason <laughs> for that. So that's what I'm saying. Go ahead, watch Hocus Pocus, and make yourself just be a little happy. Ed Gorenstein, thank you so much for being us with this week. We really do truly appreciate the time. Where can our listeners keep up with you and everything you're doing on the internet? Yeah, thank you for having
2: me. Um, I am on. I'm publicly on Twitter, so that's the best place to. Uh, keep up to what I'm with what I'm doing. Um, I love interacting with people, so if you have questions, you can always tweet at me there. Um, so that's Ed Gorenstein. But other than that, uh, if you want to keep up with Hades, uh, the Discord community is fantastic. Um, just search for the Super Giant Discord community, or on the main menu of the game, it's right there. Um, we still uh, read through all the conversations there, um, and uh, if you like, want to be in the know about like different uh, AMAs or anything like that. That's uh, definitely a place where we'll announce it. But
0: uh, yeah, other than that, just go vote, please. (laughs) Go vote. Agreed there. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Great
1: idea. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at board with video or board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. So feel free to give us a five star rating over there. Also, if you are not, if you want to communicate in the more long form and you're just not feeling social media, feel free to hit us up at that email address, boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag all of our stuff with hashtag boardwithfiji, so please use that hashtag as well on all social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feet. I'm going to do two plugs. My first plug is Extra Life, November 7th. I think I'm actually going to get Hades on Steam and include that, because I'm just doing PC games this year. Um, So I'll be playing 24 hours straight. It's going to be a blast. Um, Add Hades to the mix so you guys can check this game out. Um, So you can find my pinned tweet on my extra life goings on. If you want to donate, even a dollar helps. Um, Making some pretty steady progress right now for donations. Uh, And the last plug is really just to see how many people are still listening. If you're still listening and you can tell me over Twitter, uh, tag me, tag Ed, and that's at Josh Bones. Uh, Tell me, uh, earlier in the podcast, Ed said, Um, That there was a different main protagonist that didn't start in the game. If you tweet at me who that is, I will uh, send you a copy of Hades digitally, because that's the only way you can get it. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, where can people find you?
0: So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, BoardGameGeek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Uh, again, you know, make sure you are checking out Josh's Extra Life stream. I am planning to jump in for a few hours of gaming with him, uh, so do, please do go support him and the good work he is doing there. Again, huge thanks to Ed Gorenstein for being here. We truly appreciate it. And make sure you go play Hades if you haven't. You'll be missing a game that was on one of our lists twice this year for best game of the year, and for someone else, it's probably only once at the end of the (laughs) year. Assuming they're, you know, gonna. (laughs) Anyways, as always, if you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.